Now, this is a Sound Health radio show where we talk about the crossroads of the environment, our health, and longevity with Richard Talk to Me Guy and Sherry Edwards is working on the Sound Health portal. I'd like to suggest going to the soundhealthportal.com, scrolling down just a bit, and clicking on the Watch How button. You'll see a short video explaining how to record and submit your first recording. Then go back to soundhealthportal.com, scroll down to current active campaign, such as cellular inflammation, PTSD, or TBI, or neuroplasticity, and choose one that is of interest to you. Click on that campaign, click free voice analysis, and the system will walk you through submitting your recording. You'll receive an email with a report back usually within one to two hours. To hear and share replays of this show, 20 to 30 minutes after you hear the outro music, go to talktomeguy.com, Scroll down that page and you'll see this post at the top of the episode page. There are also archives of hundreds of shows available there as well. There's a microphone icon at the bottom right corner of all the show notes. If you would like to leave me a voice message, a question for the guest, just click on that microphone and you can do that directly from the site and I will be notified. With that, Lena Zafri is a survivor of near-death experiences and spiritual transformative experiences, who has turned her journey into a catalyst for personal growth and healing. With expertise in energy modalities and a gift for intuitive insights, she empowers others to embark on transformative paths. As an intuitive energy healer, Lena combines her unique background in training in Reiki, bioacoustic research, and intuitive energy healing to guide clients towards physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. Her compassionate approach helps individuals identify and release energetic blocks, restoring balance and vitality. Lena's passion for community shines through her roles as IONS of Las Vegas group leader. She facilitates and moderates sharing groups, fostering a safe and nurturing space for personal growth and support. Her forthcoming book, Becoming Magnanimous, shares her own journey of spiritual transformation and holistic healing providing inspiration and guidance for readers in their own self-discovery. Lena's captivating presence, profound insights, and dedication to empowering others, she invites individuals to embrace personal growth, healing from within, and unlock their true potential on the transformative path. Lena joins us to talk about unveiling the power of sound, healing, and cosmic connection. Welcome, Lena. Wow, thank you so much. That was a beautiful introduction. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. And once again, everybody, all that mess at the beginning, I'll clean that all up before I post the show. The uh, platform was not in this dimension, I guess. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> that seems perfect for this show. Just perfect. Uh, well, it's been said that uh, ears usually kind of have this way of messing with technology. I don't know how true it is, but it has been said. Mm, I'd say it's pretty true. (laughs) Would you please tell us the story of your near-death experience? Then there's a zillion questions from there, but let's start with that. From you were, I'll call a regular person in the world, and then you had this thing that occurred, and it led you to an NDE. Would you tell us that story? Absolutely. I'd love to share the story, but gosh, the story is just so multidimensional. Like, um, so a little bit background, I was just a regular, normal, healthy person. I was 
you know, living life normal, nothing spectacular. And then I, um, on vacation, I was out on vacation from Cali to Houston, and I got sick, just a regular, normal, common, I guess, cold and flu. But um, within a couple of days, by the time I got home, I got really, really sick. And I ended up going to the hospital just to get it checked out because it didn't feel right, you know, like I was having a hard time breathing. So I went, and one thing led to another. Um, they ended up admitting me. I was in the hospital. I spent the first first three days, you know, kind of like in and out of consciousness, kind of thinking, hey, you know, like I just came in here to see if I was okay. I need to go home. <laughs> like, so let me go. I was not intending to stay here, you know. So I think I spent a lot of time kind of like wanting to be released and let go. Um, at the time, um, I had two young children. My son was turning five soon, so he had, um, I had a five-year-old. And then I had my daughter, who was um, about 18 months old, and um, I was nursing. So this is going to be important for later because, you know, I was very attached and connected to my kids. So um, being in the hospital three days got better, you know, completely better, like looked normal. But then the strangest thing happened that night. I took a turn for the worst out of nowhere. Um, I ended up in the ICU where they pretty much had uh, me on life. I don't know. I don't want to call it life support because I was in the ICU. I was really not coherent. Uh, I woke up a few times wanting to get out and go home. But um, essentially, I spent five days there, and uh, no matter what they did, they couldn't really do much for me. I wasn't responding anything. And what had happened was both of my lungs collapsed. You know, there was just, I wasn't breathing on my own. And um, that's where the, the I guess, the life-altering event, the near-death experience occurred, you know. And at that moment, um, my body must have given up. And I transitioned, which means I literally woke up. I was like as if you were to just wake up from a nap. I woke up, I got up, and I was sitting at the edge of the bed, um, completely fine. I was like, oh, okay. So I looked around, noticed I was in the ICU room. I recognized where I was. But the strangest thing is, is at that moment of awareness that, okay, I'm awake, I'm, I'm good, I happened to look down. And as I looked down at my body, I realized that I was completely clear completely clear. I could see through my legs. I could see through my body. And um, it was just like this, you know, one of those little glass figurines. And I happened to look over to my right. And of course, um, I saw that my body was laying on the bed. But it was almost like this, you know, undetachment. Like there was no like, oh, my goodness, what happened to me? Where's my body? No. It was like, oh, there's my body, you know. And I just casually looked to the other side. And as I was looking, you know, this voice, this um, this motherly voice, this authoritative voice, this calm, strong voice started to talk to me. And she's like, Lena, you need to uh, go back. Yeah, you need to go back. Your kids are waiting for you, but you need to make that decision. And right as she says that, as I, as I hear this, and... Um, I look over to my left and I see my children. I see both my kids. And um, at the moment, it was almost like, ah, there's my baby. I've been waiting nine days to see them. You know, it's like I see them and I'm like this overjoyed, overwhelmed with love. And I'm just like, ah, there's my babies. And as I say this, I'm just, I realize that 
this whole room, everything was just like light and beautiful, clean, you know, just like, I was in bliss. I was, I, I was beautiful, almost indescribable, but I recognized the feeling of love because that's how much I love my kids, you know. Um, as a side note, I grew up thinking that I could never have children. So having kids mm. really was a big deal to me. I was one of those moms that I couldn't get enough of my kids, literally like, you know, they were in my arms 24-7. They napped in my arms. Everything was just like, oh, I had the miracle babies, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was that was my near-death experience. And, of course, um, I did see everybody um, after that. Like, I noticed that there was uh, a lot of people sitting in the distance and all those people sitting there, I could see them like almost kind of like their shadow selves sitting and I could see that they're all facing me and that they're all sitting in prayer style. Now I cannot hear their prayers. I cannot see their faces, but I could see them and I know that all these people are sitting there literally praying for me. And I I do have this awareness that I'm prayed for and I need prayers, but as they're praying for me, it's like, I'm so grateful for their prayers. I'm so grateful for them doing that for me at that moment um, that it's just this sense of, I don't know, like love that just pours out, right, through me. And as I look at everybody, as I look at each single person, it was the most incredibly amazing sight to see because each one of those People would like rise up and they would come close in air. Sounds like movies, but they would come close. But as they got close, I no longer saw them as a person. I saw them as the flame of the candle. Like they became a light to me. And, um, it, you know, it, it's indescribable to describe how it felt, but just seeing everybody as light. And I thought it was funny and amusing. And I thought it was interesting how by looking at them, it would, cause them to, you know, kind of like lift up and come close and be the light. And I did that to several, you know, people, but at the same time, like there's no time, but I'm also hearing this voice that's kind of like talking to me, like, Lena, come on now. You've got to make that decision quick. You've got to hurry up. It's like she's rushing me. And all this happened, I don't know how long of a time, but as this happened, the urgency, obviously, I came back into my body because I'm here. However, I have no recollection, no memory, no experience of anything beyond that. So when I came back, I had absolutely no clue what happened to me. I had no idea that there was this thing called near-death experience, and I just had that experience. There's no connection. There's no nothing. So I came back just oblivious. And then my little, you know, normal life came back to my kids and proceeded to go. But, you know, didn't know it either at the time. But when you come back, you come back with differences. You know, you come back with very heightened senses. And then that's kind of like where my life kind of started to fall apart. But I can end it there and then, you know, give you a chance to ask questions or if you want me to go further. But that kind of yeah experience in the just Yeah. And it's. The first time I heard a story like this, oddly enough, was when I was uh, 
kind of in training to be a chef, but it was really just working under a mean guy that was a great chef. And we had a young man who came in who was going to be a sous chef for me, one of the line cooks. And he'd had, and this was in the 70s. So he had mm-hmm. had open heart surgery when back in those days, it was like they cracked you in half and, you know, it was just pretty tough stuff. And mm-hmm. he had an NDE. Wow. And back then there was no language for NDE. It was just like, I died. I saw the light. I came back. And that was kind of about as much conversation as there was. But he described kind of a very similar thing that you just described. Very much like, and I was happy to talk to him about it. He was a little like everybody else was like, yeah, get out of here, kid. But I thought it was fascinating. And it was that the the one thing of all the NDE people that I've known, which is quite a few, is that there seems to be this, what I call fascinating, but almost an overwhelming sense of calm when you discover that you're out of your body or you're yeah. someplace, you're someplace over there. In his case, he was floating above his body, looking down at what was going on, what the doctors were trying to do to bring him back. Yes. And, but, it, but his sense of calm was the part that blew his mind. Like mm-hmm. I'm watching them cut me and, you know, try and bring me back and shock me and throw towels around and the whole thing. But it was just this sense of calm. And, and I believe that you bring that back with you in some form. Oh, my God. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because um, I didn't know this at the time, but I actually feel like I didn't fully come into my body, if that makes any sense. Like mm-hmm. uh, I like, even me, like. There was no, like, I was fully me and me. I Like, I didn't even need my body to be me, you know? Mm-hmm. So the body was just like my clothes. So it, there's no, but it was still mine. <laughs> um, and coming back, it was weird because it was almost like, even though I came back, I don't have memory of entering my body or being in my body or being awake in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, it, even, like, when I came back in the hospital, um, apparently I came back and I was hungry and I asked for food and I had conversations and I have absolutely zero memory. But the strangest thing is, is at the time, my husband at the time, he actually took pictures. So mm-hmm. I have pictures of my experience in the hospital and I have no memory of it. I'm wow. so happy that he took these pictures. But yeah, there's pictures of me coming out of my NDE, sitting there in the hospital bed and chomp it on a big giant burger because I came back hungry, but I have no memory. <laughs> but your body did. Your body was really hungry. I need that burger. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's amazing. Very grounding. That beef yeah. is really grounding. Um, I have a I have a question from chat. We have a live text chat room, nice. and the question is. And I know that you have more, you'll have a lot. We'll talk more about this later also. In what ways did your life break down? Was there an immediate thing that began to occur or has it been a slow change or of breakdown, I would say? Um, I think it was a slow, gradual change. Um, you know, there was, there was so, so there was, it was, it's weird. So there was good stuff happening in my life and then there was bad stuff happening in my life. It all came from good space, but it's not understanding what was happening is where the destruction happened. So um, I never considered myself psychic. I, I just, I didn't. But 
when I came back within a month or so, I had the vision. I saw my third child, um, clear as day. Um, I knew I was going to have another child. I knew what she looked like. Like I met her where she is now. She's nine years old now, but I saw her at this age which is really strange. But um, so I had all these things, you know, I had all these awarenesses and I was very, very sensitive. Um, I mean, my, all my senses were so heightened, but I didn't know that these were my heightened senses. I was sensitive to people's sounds. I was sensitive to everything I was seeing, all my sight, my hearing, my taste, my emotions, everything was just like, you know, very sensitive. Everything just triggered me in a weird way. I guess I was very reactive because I didn't know, you know, and I didn't really understand the difference between me and others. So, um, you know, all these words and terminologies were not in my vocabulary, but being an empath, there's a, there's being an empath. And then there's this line of, you know, completely getting immersed in somebody else's emotions and dramas and I was dipping into other people's energy fields and coming out of it very very confused so that kind of led to like me being a little bit destructive and confused but you know it was those parts of my life that I wasn't understanding and I wasn't you know that kind of made all my relationships a little difficult. Um, I moved from one state to another and then to another. Um, my marriage ended. It was very, it was very interesting because um, it seemed like I, I had a great marriage. I had a great life. Everything was good, but I was so different, and I didn't know that I was so different, and everything was different. So, um, unfortunately. You know, my marriage didn't make through. So that was a big one. That was a destruction. But um, honestly, I think I was just being perceived very differently by the people in my world. Um, I don't think I understood myself for anybody else to be able to understand me. So a lot of my close relationships, um, I really don't know where it went wrong or what happened, but I seem to be pissing people off left and right to the point to where um, <laughs> a few of my relationships just kind of exploded in my face. And I was just left completely like clueless. <laughs> so after several of those occurrences, you know, and then topped with just feeling the difference between the two different emotions I was in. On one hand, I was living in bliss and ecstasy. I was living in just, I every time I thought about my experience, because it doesn't go away. It's there in your mind, you know. Any moment, it's like I was back merged with that, with the light, with love, with, with that. And then I'd be my normal self, you know, the human me, which I don't think I really integrated well into my body right away like it took some time but um being perceived was different and then all that really led me to um question myself it led me to ask well what the hell is wrong with me like um all these people are saying the same thing am i really that messed up (laughs) what's wrong so you know that was hard because i really had to look within and figure out who i was and why i was being perceived this way and you know and which was the which was the gift which was my gift from all these beautiful people that made my life difficult by pointing things out I guess um is it allowed me to you know take a 
deeper look into all those areas and really shed light into them and shed love into them and kind of, I don't want to say transmute, but essentially transmute them because once you put light into darkness, it no longer is scary. So I don't know if that answers the question, but nothing dangerous, but, you know, just the normal relationships, being human, living here, being understood, being embraced, being you know, all of that. Well, I think, um, again, from hanging, from knowing other NDE people and other professional psychic empaths from that kind, uh, or Raza Bouye, she was a hands-on healer and I trained under her, that the tricky part is that it's, and I think this is true in the NDE world, where it's, as you say, there's no training manual. No. There's no like, okay, that happened. Here's what, here's what's going to follow up on this. There's no, you come back with extra tools or skills or you're a sensitive or you're, you know, any number of possibilities. Yeah. You, you've stepped into a place where there might be what some people might call upgrades and you've come back. And again, there's no manual to look that up. Like, oh, this is going to happen now. And you're more sensitive because you're more sensitive. Right. And it's tricky in relationships when you're more sensitive and you may be answering questions they're not asking or having conversations in an argument in a way where they're not really aware that they're having that in their mind. And it's, it's a you know, fascinating thing. And that's, I don't have where a question the problem, there. And that's where yeah. the problem lies is, is I found myself almost many, many steps ahead of what people wanted to share or say. And me saying it almost kind of like took them by surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you know? That's not true. I'm like, uh, okay, well, and then I was like, oh, I guess not. <laughs> right. And did part of this, let's jump slightly, and you're the founder of the Las Vegas International Association for Near-Death Experiences, which we will refer to as IONS because yes. that's a lot to say every time. <laughs> I know. And was part of that for your own, were you wanting to, it seemed like it was a learning experience for you to start this group in Las Vegas. That's true. Oh, my uh, absolutely. Oh, gosh. So um, when I had my near-death experience for, okay, so three years after my near-death experience, I had what was ref- what is referred to as a spiritually transformative experience, which is coined by Dr. Yvonne. Um, Yvonne Disson, um, and she, that, and that is another experience, you know, which I had. And when I came back from that experience, well, that really blew my mind. And I and I figured, no, this, there's more to this. So I started to search around, and in that, you know, trying to understand that profound experience led me to one thing to another, because the universe always brings you what you need, right? So. Um, what I needed showed up for me. IONS was one of them, you know, um, and IONS is an organization, international organization that, you know, um, helps educate and create a space for people who've had extraordinary experiences like this, near death. Uh, so when I discovered them, I was through the moon because I finally felt like I'm not alone anymore. Okay, so I'm not a freak of nature. This is there's other people. So I started to look around and I realized, wow, this is an actual thing. One thing led to another and I was in the process of moving at the time I was in Houston. So um, 
I was headed towards Vegas when I came here, I tried to find a, a group here so that I can go and attend and to, you know, be a part of it. And I realized there's no group here in Las Vegas. So I reached out to IONS and um, basically that was the intent, you know, was I, I wanted to find a space where I can find other people like me who understand me, who perhaps feel just as lost as I did to come together. And and so I started the Ions of Las Vegas here with that intention is to kind of create my own support group for myself and for others. And to be honest with you, that was one reason. And the second reason was by now I had integrated understanding of my experiences, both of them, and I realized something. And this was right at the beginning, um, 2020, when uh, COVID hit. Right at the beginning of it, I realized and I understood. I didn't know what we were heading into, like the severity of this whole COVID shutdown and lockdown and all this stuff. But I knew at that moment that um, because my experience happened with H1N1 virus, which is very similar, I had this knowing that there's going to be a lot of people experiencing near-death experience because of what was about to come even though I, in my mind I didn't know, but I knew it intuitively. So I knew that there was going to be a lot of people in the space lost. So I kind of wanted to create that space so when they do have experiences, that they have a place to come to. Hmm. How cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a journey and people... half, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what a great thing for people to gather like I say, back when this Sushif had this experience, there was no real knowledge about it. I mean, I'm certain in some circles there were ND experiences happening and people were talking about them. But it was long before there was any IONS or any kind of organization where you could go. You know, you could go talk to a, a traditional therapist. But they weren't going to be equipped to be able to have this kind of conversation. You need people, like-minded people who had the experience who all go, oh, yeah, that thing with the bright, flashy thing or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, I'm certain there uh, are. Are there common threads in NDE experiences when you all gather and talk? Are there oh. some common threads? Absolutely, and you're so right. Um, so, so I host or I, I facilitate sharing groups for IONS almost on a weekly basis, and basically we gather for about 90 minutes and we talk. And we just share experiences, no judgment, no comments, nothing, no advice giving. We don't, none of that. Because when you come back from a profound experience like this, um, you know, what I've learned is healing happens when you're just hurt, you know, just to be able to speak what's in your mind and in your heart does something to the human being. It just, it heals, just to have another human sit there and listen. So that's the premises behind IONS and the sharing groups. But um, what was I trying to say with this? Uh, God, I got, got myself off topic here. We were talking. We were talking I, was, I, had, I had asked you if there are common threads in yes. the NDE experiences. Yes. So there's a lot of common threads. Um, there really is. The experience, it's almost kind of like, oh, so uh, and here's what I'm going to compare to. It's kind of like saying, let's go to the movies. All movies are common where you go to a theater, you sit. It's about typically a certain amount of minutes or an hour, an hour and a half long. There's a beginning and there's an end. There's a theme. There's this. There's that. There's popcorn. You know, there's all these 
elements that are the same as going to the movies. But the movie that you watch is going to be different every theater, every single time, right? Same thing with the near-death experience. You know, the experience is the experience where you go to the other side, not physically, but from your consciousness, you know, your spirit, your soul travels through the atmosphere of this earth and goes into this movie theater, which is the universe, and you get to see this movie, your own movie, you know, and and then you come back and then it's like you're trying to tell people about the movie that you saw, but nobody else seen the movie. <laughs> so it, there's a lot of common threads to it, but every movie is a little different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's romantic movies, there are horror movies, same thing with experiences. Some people have, um, you know, incredibly amazing experience where they see the light, they they speak to loved ones, they get a life review. Oftentimes they are visited by um, a religious figure. Um, Jesus shows up a lot. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian, atheist, or Muslim. When Jesus comes, Jesus comes to all. Uh, so those are common threads that I've that I've noticed. Um, and then there's the hellish ones where people have really, you know, experiences that are more dark, you know, like um, kind of like going watching a horror movie and then they come back. But at the same time, they have lessons and they, they also get to see the light. They also get to see the beauty and come back and share that. But they have to kind of, you know, figure some stuff out because when you come back, you got to make sense of that movie. you got to like... Play it in your mind and see how it connects to your life here. So there's definitely a process. Mm-hmm. And I've heard you say in in researching, I either read or heard you say something that after your NDE, you felt like a singing bowl in the sense of you were vibrating at a certain level. Can you say more about that? Ah, so I, I um, very interesting you reminded me of that. When I had my near-death experience, I remember when I get home, when I got home, my English is off here, when I got home, I had this feeling of like this really, I don't, you know how when you hit, uh, hit uh, the, the singing bowls, you know, when you tap it lightly and just have a, mm-hmm. I had that sound inside of me. I couldn't hear it outside, but I could feel it and hear it inside me for my near-death experience when i came back i chalked it off as in my mind i was like oh well i know i was in the hospital for nine days i still had no idea that i had died i had no idea what happened to me all i knew is i was in the hospital and i was very sick and i they gave me a lot of medication so i thought it was just the after effects of all the drugs that was in my body that was making my body shake and vibrate so it was just like, okay, whatever. Um, but when I had my spiritually transformative experience, which was very profound, um, which is another amazing story, it happened in a float tank of all places. But when I came out of that, I literally had to, um, it was almost like I could literally see myself, my body was like vibrating, like literally shaking. You couldn't see it, like from the eye, looking at my body, you couldn't see. But when I would look at myself, I could see myself shaking, but not the kind of shake that you have when you're afraid or when you're nervous or when you're scared. This is the kind of vibrating, like a singing bowl. When you hit a singing bowl, it just goes, you know, that beautiful voice that Mm -hmm. carries out. I was vibrating like that. And I thought it was strange, but, you know, again, 
there was so much happening. There was so much to um, digest. There was so much more that that was just a little, huh, that's weird. I'm vibrating. <laughs> but, yeah, you do you do feel the energy, vibration of it. Maybe just a little passing through for an upgrade. I never know. <laughs> no, I don't know. It may be a little wobbly for a few days, but you'll be great afterwards. Um, <sighs> It yeah. took a few more than a, a few days, though. I'll tell you okay. that. It was okay. not a few days. <laughs> and when did uh, Sherry's bioacoustics work come into your view, or how did was there an attraction from the vibration to the sound work, or how did the bio the becoming a bar and the bioacoustics work ah, appear on your ah, screen? Yes, yes, yes. My beautiful journey with bioacoustics. So. I had to do some backtracking and thinking and looking at stuff because, you know, I'm, I'm putting it all together. But so my spiritually transformative experience happened in July of 2017. And I actually have a, a really tiny short video clip of the uh, float tank that I went to, which is a whole nother story. But a few months, like a couple months before I went, because I was living in Houston at the time, um, I had just online and I was looking and I discovered um, Hay House randomly on my Facebook feed. Hay House came in and I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. I mean, and I'm not in the spiritual world. I was not spiritual. I did not meditate. I had no language of the spiritual world at all. I didn't know what meditation was. I didn't know what chakras were, nothing. Right, so here I am, found Hay House, and I saw all these people, and I saw a list of all these speakers and all these. So I don't know what I did. I was just ran my finger through all those names, and I stopped, and I found two. I don't know if Sherry Edwards was there, but I found two names. One was um, Abraham Hicks. I don't know what it was about that name. It just pulled me right in. I clicked on it, found Abraham. I was hooked. A couple of days after that, I don't know where I was, how I was, but same manner, I found bioacoustics, but I found Sherry. And I don't really remember exactly how I found Sherry, but I found Sherry and I stumbled upon her, uh, one of her live shows that she does in the evenings where a radio call in. And I actually called in because I was fascinated by what she was talking about, frequency, vibration, and your voice. Um, something intrigued me, so I called in and I listened, and I think at that moment I was completely hooked. I had no intention of, you know, becoming a practitioner or a researcher. I had no idea what this was, but I was fascinated. And another strange thing is, is I found Sherry's voice to be incredibly clear and incredibly soothing to me in a way I cannot describe. It was almost like when Sherry's voice is on and she's talking, there is this like, um, there's this energy wave that comes. It's just, it's this calm wave. So I would just tune in and listen to Sherry all the time because it made me feel good. No other reason. Um, she was talking about stuff that was way over my head. I mean, I'm not a doctor, nothing, you know, I was just a normal person. But whatever she was talking about, I understood. Whatever she was saying, I got. 
I clearly understood everything she was talking about. So I would just show up every time Sherry was on radio or anything. I would watch, and I was on her website. I was reading. I was learning. And I was fascinated by it so much to where I started to talk about it in my world around me. And back in 2021 or 2020, right around that time, uh, my brother was like, you know too much. This is amazing. The stuff I was sharing with the people around me, they're like, bioacoustics is so amazing. Like, I was just mesmerized by the information, the, the truth and the clarity that was coming out of it, right? So um, that's when I actually decided to go in and uh, get certified, and I went through Sherry's um, courses, and Sherry's actually the one who taught me everything, so I was pretty lucky. Um, but, you know, all I did was tune into her voice and it just, everything makes sense. And for me, I can't go without, in life, without talking about anything, without using bioacoustics as a way to show and understand this world. Because I see the world in a vibration. For me, I hear things, I hear the 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 crispness and the clarity in voices and in sounds. I hear things I think people don't hear. So for me, Sherry and what she does, bioacoustics, everything about it is just right on. It makes sense. So that's kind of been my journey with bioacoustics. That was good. Um, I spent a lot of time listening to Sherry because that's how I got into doing this show is we did this show together for four or five years. And so we've spent a lot of time talking and I always have that same, you know, like, yeah, well, I don't care what you're talking about. Just keep talking. Yeah. There's, right. There's, there's a thing in there. And I mean that in a good way. You know, I, I have to say that um, the first time I spoke to Sherry on the phone, oh my God, it was so incredible. Um, it's one thing to hear her on the radio and talk because her voice, there's, there's magic in her voice. I don't know if anybody else can hear it, but it, there's magic in her voice. I don't know what it is, but there's magic there. Um, but when I hear her voice, it's, um, I'm hooked. I feel love. Like I literally feel completely like love emanating from me. I have, I, I don't know the connection really, but her voice does that to me. So I, I just, I stick around. <laughs> now, now this is going to seem like a, a jump, but okay. I, I see this thread as going together. Mm-hmm. Somewhere I read, and I have no idea where, if it was on a site or something in relationship to you, you used the term law of fellowship or ah. something like that. Yeah. Now, would you talk about what that is? Because that, for me, threads right from you talking about sharing. Yeah. Wow. That's so... So there's, you know, there's the human laws that we have, right? And then there's universal laws. The universal laws are, you know, the law of gravity, the law of vibration, the law of harmony, the law of oneness. And one of my favorites, and there's, I have a lot of favorites, by the way, but one of my uh, favorites is the law of fellowship. Because I feel like, you know, we are all connected. Everything is connected. Like you and I, the fact that we're talking you know, um, there's this connection, there's this cosmic connection that has brought us together. And I believe that when, so the law of fellowship 
state that when two or more people gather with a similar energy vibration, right, that whatever we focus on, that becomes multiplied. Um, and it's funny because the law of fellowship is almost in every religion also, you know, even in, in the Islamic religion, because I'm Muslim and in, 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 in every religion, you know, whenever there is talk of church or God in any way, in any form, in any, it's always a gathering of people. People come together because people who think the same, who feel the same, they have the same vibrational energy. So whatever you're thinking, whatever you're working on, it will be successful. And unfortunately, it does not distinguish between right or wrong, good or bad. So it's up to you to keep a good and clean intention and bring people with the same good, clean intention. And together, when you focus, you know, you can find a lot of uh, universal, universal help to make it successful. And that's kind of what I believe in my life is I I gather myself around people with a similar energy, vibration, frequency, which is, you know, thought process, emotional process, everything that makes us us and try to put some positivity in this world and bring some healing, love and light and energy and and bring other people from the same space to amplify it because, you know, we need that more today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And from your experiences and observations, how do you think we get out of balance or out of harmony? Well, I see the world as a, a vibration and frequency, literally. And, um, it's it's everything is from our thoughts, right? It's it's the thoughts that we allow in our minds. They have a vibrational frequency and energy. Those thoughts trigger emotions. If your thoughts are triggering emotions of fear, of you know, like pain, grief, it pulls you down and attracts kind of like puts you in that space. And that's where it shifts your energy. It's like we have to have that awareness of that our thoughts are creating our emotional energy vibration. So it pulls us on one direction where the opposite takes us on the other direction, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the attraction to Sherry's work is it's about healing. healing and creating harmony in a certain way. Yeah. In that I think the heart, the, I think the thing about the sound work is that it goes directly to a cell or to a receptor site on the cells, and we can't really filter that. In other words, we can't stop it. If you use bad words against me, I can stop it and tell you to go away, or much better, worse things. Whereas if we hear something, our bodies just take it in. We don't have we don't haven't formed filters to stop that input. So I think that's the great thing about sounds or toning or, you know, any of those kinds of things that are feeling experiences and we don't really build shields very well. I'm not saying, I'm not saying we should have shields against that or wanting to stop that. That just goes in and ourselves go, oh, wow, that was what I needed. Thanks. <laughs> and I think that's one of the powerful things about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the understanding that I have now is literally what, you know, we really are just receivers and transmitters of energy, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, 
what we allow to come into our space, you know, whether, because we get to choose. I mean, yeah, not everything we get to choose. Um, eventually, we get to a place to where we recognize that the parts in our life that we don't, we choose that, you know, that happen to us, happens for a reason, and to not, um, to not emotionally go down, but to stay above it, you know, but it's little small choices that may come out to a big outcome. We have to be very aware of our, of our thoughts and our emotions and what kind of thoughts and emotions are we allowing into our space? Like we do get a choice. You know, I think that was one of my lessons from my near death experience at the end of the day that, you know, we're taught that we don't have a choice but we really truly do have a choice in life. You know, we get to choose how we react to things and to people and to situations, pleasant or unpleasant, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we basically, you know, energy, you know, just giving back what we've received. And part of bioacoustics, you know, um, bioacoustics, maybe to a lot of people, but it's been around forever. And, you know, Albert Einstein talks a lot about what Sherry does, you know, as far as humans being energy vibration. I mean, Mm -hmm. Sherry has given us the gift of, you know, going to the micro of the macro, you know, it's like, you know, everything is a micro, micro and a macro, macro and a micro, you know, that everything has that element of it in it you know as humans we are a micro to the universe you know we are a dot we are just a speck uh in the macro of this universe but if you look at us as the macro inside of us there's a microcosm of all kinds of stuff and everything is energy everything has a vibration everything vibrates and everything is discernible and everything is detectable and you know that's what sherry has gifted us is the awareness and the knowledge and the tools to get into that. Um, I want to share a a quote by Albert Einstein that kind of fits very well with this, you know, uh, which goes something like this, that we are slowed down sound and light waves. We really are. Uh, We are a walking bundle of frequencies turned into music of the cosmos, like our voices is the accumulation of all the frequencies that is contained within us. Um, Our souls are just dressed up in sacred biochemical garments. You know, like we are clear, you know, our soul is clear. We are light. The body that we have is the instrument, you know, and, you know, that's how we play the, the music of our souls. You know, our voices carry out what's contained within us, thoughts, emotions, and everything in between. So, um, and that's what, you know, bioacoustics is, and that's what Sherry has gifted us with, leaving this behind for us to talk about and carry on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to jump back for a moment and talk about, I think sometimes we, <clears throat> we're we in the middle of some weird experience. Uh-huh. Any, uh, I don't need to really paint a picture. It really just paint a picture in your mind of a weird experience. And... I think some I think oftentimes we are end up I'll say in that weird experience because we've manifested by what we're thinking or grinding away at. Mm-hmm. We get into what I would call a reverse meditation. 
the idea of meditation is clear your mind and be in the space and probably get closer to your organic vibratory state. Mm-hmm. But also we, I'll speak about me now, I'll be thinking about something and I'll be grinding away at it and grinding away at it. And so at some point something will happen to either pop that moment, and I don't mean dangerous, just like a dog will bark or some sound will occur and uh-huh. bring me back because I'll be trying, I'm, I'm thinking so hard about something that I forget that I'm here in a certain sense. And I think sometimes when you need to be popped back into our bodies, not unlike how you came back into your body and had no sense, that, that's the beautiful picture of it, is you come back in without shock and trauma. Yeah. Like, I was out, I'm back. Wow, that was weird. And then you, <laughs> it takes you 15 years to figure it out. Wow. Right. You know, all that. You know, a moment can be as you're having that experience. That moment was not that long, but it's affected the rest of your life. Yeah. Probably on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. And I think that we can have that same thing. We can manifest our own reality in that we can think about things and move a particular direction but there can be experiences between you and that manifestation that are like, why am I over here doing this? It may have a purpose. I don't know. It may be beneficial. We might be learning something that's good down the road. Um, But I think everything is an opportunity in some way. Yeah, I think it is. And I think when you, for me, it's been my experience that um, the harder I physically try to understand things and fix things and do things, it's kind of like I make more mess of it, you know, (laughs) but Somehow, when you just allow and let things be, things come in the most miraculous way. Like, um, you know, I guess the universe just puts you where you need to be to learn what you need to learn, to do what you need to do. Because I can tell you this much, my own life, looking backwards, hindsight, um, had I been in charge of making the decision of all the things that I've done um, to get me to where I am today, I would have probably bailed and I would have not have done it. But, you know, um, the universe and spirit just, I guess, you know, if we allow it, really does help us and guide us. And I've been blessed to have that awareness and that uh, allowance, and I've I've done that. And I could tell you I've had the most amazing, incredible experiences that always, shed light to wherever I was and brought me to where I am. So, yeah. Hmm. An amazing journey. Yeah, I want to ask you, we don't, this is, doesn't have to be a long segment, what I'm going to ask you about, but you've mentioned it before and it seems to have some import. I want to ask you about, you were raised in a Muslim household. Uh-huh. Did this factor into your post- NDE experience in life? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely, yeah. Very much so. Um, Very much so because my my experience was pretty profound. Uh, My near-death experience was profound, but, you know, it was... um, It felt very similar to my real world, my real life, because when I was in this world, I was often in a state of love because I was a, you know, I was a mom who was in love with my kids. So I I recognized that, but really what was different was my experience of the um, spiritual experience that I had in the float tank. 
that was like a continuation of my near-death experience. And you know how earlier you were saying that there's this like, there's this portal open, like you don't really fully come in or, you know, I had an open portal for three years because Mm. after three years I had an experience where I went and I actually had the hallmarks of other near-death experiences where they talk about going through the tunnel, going through the light, being merged with consciousness or with oneness. For me, all that happened in my spiritually transformative experience. It did not happen in my near-death experience. Typically, those events happen in people's near-death experience, right? But for me, it happened in my at a completely different time. So it was very, very confusing because when I came back from that, um, I was merged with light, with love, with God. I was up in the universe. I had a merging and a meeting with both Jesus and Muhammad. So when I came back, being Muslim, it terrified me. It scared the crap out of me because the thing is, is I was raised and I grew up, and I'm not saying this is for all Muslims or for everybody, but for me, my personal experience with Islam is that um, God is outside of you and you do not compare yourself to God. You do not compare yourself to Muhammad. And you, when you take Muhammad's name, it's like with such respect that, you know, like, so there's this outside of you, right? Where when I had my experience, I was merged with that outside with my inside. So when I came back, it was hard. It was really hard to put myself together with that because I was raised to believe that that's sin and that's bad. So it it really did. I really um, had to do a lot of soul searching and meaning searching and understand the, the, the profundity of it. You know, just that Okay, what does it really mean? How do I translate this into my life? How how do I embrace this? How do I share this? How do I talk about this? So that's been the ten year journey, you know, or several year journey of figuring that out. But yeah, it did affect it did affect the Muslim having um this and one of the reasons why I started the Islands of Las Vegas and one of the reasons why I share my experience as hard as it is to share my experience for reasons is because I feel like near-death experiences are not just for a select group of people. It happens to every human from every background, from every religious or non-religious belief. It doesn't matter what you believe of. The experiences are essentially the same. So I got to thinking that if it happened to this Muslim, Afghan, American woman, Right with my idea sets and belief systems, and I was transported to that, and I had to come back and make sense of it. How many other people in my space have been through there and came back just as confused? I was blessed enough to be here living in America. I was blessed enough to have resources at my fingertip and the knowledge and the you know, awareness to go and find and research and learn and to integrate my experiences. But, you know, I felt the sense that a lot of my... Muslim sisters and brothers who've had experiences may or may not have, and I just want to hold a space for them to say, okay, I had that experience. I'm not going to be afraid of it. Let me talk about it. Let me share it. Let me see what it means. Because I think there's a lot of gifts. There's gifts of healing for the, for the world from these experiences and these stories. And I would just love to be able to share it and help people integrate their own experiences. Mhm. Mhm. That's wonderful. 
That's really, I think it's a, I think you're on a powerful journey. Thank you. And I think it's exciting. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. It's rewarding. It's rewarding um, beyond measure because it feels incredible to talk about it, to share it, to speak about it, because I feel like there's a lot of people who live in the fear of that, what is on the other side, what happens. And it's really not that bad, you know. We mm-hmm. can detach from fear. We can start to heal. And that and bioacoustics is basically that. And for me, I understood that for me from bioacoustics. It's like, um, I can look at your voice. I can tell you where the imbalances are. I can tell you where you're off vibrationally, whether it's mental, emotional, or physical. And I can even help guide you into giving you frequencies to get it back into harmony and balancing it and, you know, changing the trajectory. But if you don't take care of the root cause, like what what put you there, it's just going to manifest back into your life somewhere else. And everything stems from fear, fear mm-hmm. of something, whatever the fear is. It could be fear of spiders or whatever it is. And we all yeah. see it. Yeah. Yeah. I could do a whole other show there, but I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole lot. It's a whole long thing I have in my mind, but we'll do that another time. Yeah, um, where can people find out uh, more about your work or, and, or do you, how do you work with people? Do you only work with people locally or do you also work with people online bioacoustically or all that? Um, so I do a lot of work online. Um, I don't, um, you can get a hold of me through email. I'm kind of putting my, here, my, my website is, eventually coming soon and <laughs> I do work with people online um so I'm going to putting that stuff all together for people to get a hold of me but yeah you're in, welcome to reach out through my Facebook or uh LinkedIn um through um I have a Facebook group for in the Las Vegas near death experiencers um you're more than welcome to join there and you know I post meetings and you know stuff that's happening um, you can directly email me on my email. Um, I'm here to serve and to, you know, answer questions. And I think. Yeah. Help people go, you know, feel that bright, shiny thing. Yeah. So amazing. <laughs> That's so amazing. Uh, Lena, that was an adventure. I knew it was going to be, and it was different than I thought it would be, but it was still great. Oh, so thank, thank you so you. much. Thank fun. you for giving me the opportunity to share and to speak. Um, you bet. Yeah. 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 More shows to come. I can tell yeah. you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. All right. Thanks so much again, Lena, and everybody else. Have a re- great weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. 